This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. Bluebutterfly.co.uk. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Oliver Kemp. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Monday, August 16th. Hope you enjoyed your weekend in the sunshine. Our top story today, Kabul has descended into chaos as residents and foreign nationals head to the airport to try and escape Afghanistan. It's after the Taliban entered the capital. Fighters have been pictured in the presidential palace, abandoned by President Ashraf Ghani, who's fled. A spokesman for the group has told news network Al Jazeera that the war is over. Tunbridge and Malling MP Tom Tugendhat chairs the Commons Foreign Affairs Select Committee and himself served in the armed forces in Afghanistan before turning to politics. Well, it's quite clear that the, uh, the battle for Afghanistan in that sense is now lost. Uh, it's been a, a, an abject defeat and uh, the United States and the United Kingdom have been routed. Um, this is uh, pretty stunning, frankly. Um, but it was a decision we took to withdraw and to announce Uh, that we wouldn't be willing to fight. So perhaps it's hardly surprising. Um, What we're now seeing is we're now seeing what we fought 20 years to stop, which is a Taliban victory in uh, Afghanistan with all that that brings. And we'll have to see what the implications are, not just, of course, for Afghanistan, but for the region and in due course for the wider world, because the Taliban is still fighting alongside al-Qaeda, ISIS, uh, East Turkmenistan, Islamic movement and many other affiliated terrorist organizations. So let's see what what they do to try and rein them in, if anything. What I can say is that the Defense Secretary's uh, orders to uh, evacuate and uh, to deploy troops uh, has at least resulted in the fact that we have a, a chance of getting some out. Though, of course, there are many, many thousands of people who we are very closely connected to uh, and whose lives are now in extremely grave danger because of their heroism in standing alongside us, uh, either as soldiers or as aid workers, uh, in our moment of need, and now now it's theirs. Well, the UK is one of the NATO countries that had supplied uh, troops into Afghanistan over many years and then uh, left uh, 750 out of the 10,000 troops that were providing just effectively the spine to the Afghan military. Uh, And so our departure uh, removed the spine and we've seen the result of that. From today, if you've had two COVID jabs, you'll no longer have to isolate if you come into contact with someone who has the virus. Instead of having to quarantine for 10 days, we're now being advised to take a PCR test. Kent Online News. A Canterbury student who told nurses at a Kent hospital he was a terrorist and threatened to bomb council offices has been jailed for four months. Jonathan Newman spoke of his planned violence whilst being treated at the William Harvey in Ashford last July. The 23-year-old also sent malicious communications to Devon County Council. A judge has ruled the threats were empty. A suspected drink driver has been arrested after members of the public used cable ties to restrain him. The man reportedly tried to flee the scene in Ashford after smashing into two separate cars on Saturday. Police say the man was arrested on suspicion of a number of offences, including driving with no insurance and no licence. It's claimed a new hotel built on the site of a derelict arcade could put an end to Herne Bay losing tourists to Whitstable. Local councillor Andrew Cook is urging authority bosses to seize the opportunity to find a developer to take on the former Tivoli Amusements in Central Parade. He hopes the increase of accommodation in the town would encourage more people to visit and could benefit the area following the economic effects of the pandemic. We've been told changes to travel restrictions have sent a surge of holidaymakers through Kent as they head abroad this month. People who are fully vaccinated can now visit France without quarantining on return to the UK. 
We spoke to John Keefe from Eurotunnel in Folkestone. He says the lifting of restrictions has been a relief to passengers. After that, you'll hear from a couple of holidaymakers excited to make the trip across the channel. When we heard the news that the British government was putting France onto the amber list, obviously that was fantastic news for customers because it meant that they could come back home from their holidays without the worry of quarantining, without all the additional cost of the the eight-day test and the five-day get-out-of-jail-free test. So it's changed the summer and it's brilliant and you can really see it in people's faces when they're coming in. They are so happy to be able to travel. Immediately after the announcement, we saw a very sharp spike in bookings. It settled down a little bit and the pattern is quite stable over the whole of the summer. There's now a border between the, the UK and continental Europe and so people are having to provide their passports. Um, uh, they have to um, show proof of means for their, their journey. Um, uh, have they got hotel accommodation or a jeep booked? Um, where are they going? How long are they staying for? All of that kind of stuff, which wasn't there in the past. So um, we're providing people with a, a way of getting through that much more easily. We've built the passenger wallet, um, which is just somewhere that you can put all of the details that you need. It was very much sort of, you know, last minute decisions. And uh, I mean, to be fair, we were so desperate to see family and friends that we were sort of happy to, you know, uh, if we had to self-isolate then you know, that would have to be it. But uh, yeah, we are very lucky. <laughs> Restrictions have been sort of lifted. So yeah. It's fantastic, isn't it? Because we're, yeah. we're going to a wedding. We're going to a wedding in a chateau. My niece is getting married. So it's been fingers um, crossed. France is still on the amber list, so unvaccinated travellers will still have to self-isolate at home for 10 days. The Kent Online Podcast with Blue Butterfly, Earl Street, Maidstone. Other news now, and there are calls for safety to be improved on a 13-mile stretch of road in Kent that's claimed the lives of five people in the past 10 years. 12 others have been seriously injured on the A2070 that runs from Ashford to Brenzit. Campaigners would like to see the speed limit reduced or cameras installed to catch those breaking the current 60 mile per hour maximum. Rowena Owen survived a 60 mile per hour crash on the road and spent six weeks in hospital. Um, well, I don't actually have a huge memory of the accident, just flashbacks because it was such a terrible one. Um, but I do, uh, you know, I remember the day very well. Um, it was a really sunny August day. Um, I was over visiting a friend in Rye, um, Pease Marsh area, and literally I must have left about five minutes when I, the accident happened. Um, so, I, you know, I just got on to the, I'd gone past the Kent and Sussex border, which I, I always notice on that road because my business is in holiday letting and I cover Kent and a bit of Sussex. And it's always like, I don't know, I just always notice it. And then, yeah, I was heading to um my colleague who I, I own a business with I was off on the way to Ashford sat nav on just yeah quite a chilled day um and then yeah I uh yeah I my last memory is looking up and a car flying into me so um we were both doing quite high speed I was probably around 60-ish I think it is along there um it's uh you can't really escape the road because you can't veer left because there's a bit of a bank and when I've gone back to look at the road site, it's there's a bend, which we don't know for sure what happened, but it was at the start of a bend. It's not a tight bend, but I don't know whether she was distracted, light in her eyes, phone, whatever. We still don't know why, but she kind of, she didn't really take the bend. She just crossed straight into me. Um, and yeah. So, uh, 
yeah, a car obliterated um, and then um, stuck in a car for an hour, had to be cut out um, and airlifted to um, King's um, because my left leg was basically in half and my right leg was broken at the femur and I broke a bit of my neck, um, stomach injury, um, had an embolism on the lung, head injury um, and uh, six weeks in hospital and still recovering a year on. And how is that recovery process going for you? I know we spoke to you earlier this year and you said you were learning to walk at the same time as your son. He's faster than me now. I mean, yeah, we got walking together, which was quite sweet. Um, but now, I mean, I'm I'm walking unaided without a stick. I've got uh, um, my left leg is not healing particularly well because um, I broke my feet, foot in lots of places and the lower part of my legs. So it's very slow healing. Um, and he can run I can't run but he runs around my kitchen island and finds it funny that I can't keep up with him bless him and I see you're back in the car now you're you're, you know you're back was that hard to do and have you been back on that road since have you been driving back on that road how has it been sort of getting back into driving not long not too long after the accident it was in December I I'm one of these people that likes to like I don't want to dwell on things I just want to get on with it so I asked uh, my my colleague we had to go over to um somewhere in that direction in rye and uh i said look you know you drive i will go and and sometimes you when you follow the sat nav you go a different route and she's like oh we'll just go a different route we haven't got to go down the road but i think we were talking because i started getting nervous and um we ended up going down the road and i hadn't noticed until like, literally i could feel a prickle i was like we're here and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, just keep going. But that was like, I just knew where it, where it was. Um, and given that I didn't have real recollection of full on of the accident, I found it quite eerie that I knew that. Um, and I haven't driven it yet. I avoid it. In your opinion, is there any way of fixing that road? Is there is there anything that you can even look at and think, actually, I, th- I would put this plan forward if I was in that position as a road safety expert? Is there anything you would want to see put in place? Well, I guess at the nearer, at either end of the Ashford end and at the kind of the Pease Marsh end, which I was coming from, you've got roundabouts, which I guess are slowing people down a bit more. So, you know, you're getting up to speed, but you're not kind of drifting. I think it's the sheer length of it. You're in a really pretty area and it was very easy to be distracted, I'd say, along there. And you've got people that are, commu- you know, commuters, people are locals living, going along a very fast road, probably end of work, got to be somewhere rushing. There isn't any, you know, so I guess, you know, is it simply slowing it down a bit? It's very frustrating for some people if you kind of get into work and getting around, but is slowing down going to kind of minimise, the, the, at least if the accidents happen, there won't be flights to Kings all the time. Um is that the answer? I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I, I say I'm not an expert, but I don't know. Can you put in more roundabouts? Can there be, you know, more chicanes or ways to slow it down a bit um, to to get people not to be just flying down there? We also spoke to safety road expert Neil Gregg from I Am Road Smart, who says the key to making our roads less dangerous comes down to the drivers.
Well, ultimately, there is no such thing as a killer road as such. It is all about driver behavior. So, you know, it's about the drivers themselves as opposed to the road. You can always improve a road. You can always re-engineer it. You can always make it better. But, you know, the vast majority of crashes are down to human error. And certainly there's no doubt that when you have a large percentage of motorcyclists on a road, you do tend to find that that road has more accidents. And that's often not necessarily the motorcyclist's fault. It's often because the car drivers themselves don't know how to cope with motorcyclists or aren't looking out for them. How can people be more aware of these smaller vehicles to avoid those collisions? Is there any top tip that you would give to cars? I mean, it's everything that you should learn in your lessons, but maybe people forget um, is there a way of being more aware of them? I think that this having a discussion about these particular roads and actually highlighting certain sections is very important because people then, when they go on that road, start to think. They start to think bike, they think about motorcyclists, they think that that is a road they have to be taking extra care of. And that hopefully will, will up their game a bit. But ultimately, when it comes to motorcycling, you have to take time and take care to actually scan the road to look for that smaller vehicle. The problem is, it's actually a psychological problem in our brains. Our brains are set up to look for the, if you like, the biggest problem when they're scanning a road, and they often miss that small motorcyclist. Motorcyclists these days tend to have their, their lights on, for example, uh, but they do often tend to be filtering down the outside, perhaps in locations you're not expecting, and also at junctions. That's where the, the most uh, motorcycle crashes happen. So it's a, it's a being aware that this is a road with motorcyclists on it and looking out for them when you're actually driving down that road. And as part of an investigation back in February, police stopped more than 25 speeding vehicles on that road in one day. Do you think that the fact that it's a long, straight, dual carriageway, would that maybe encourage drivers to be tempted to pick up the speed, I guess, and not think about how fast they're going because they're kind of just getting a bit carried away going down this straight road? Uh, the problem is that there, there's a certain percentage of drivers who, who always take an opportunity to speed when they see it. So if they see a straight road, a quiet road, they will tend to go a bit faster. There's another bigger group of people who tend just to follow the herd. And if everyone's going fast, they go fast. Most people tend to stick to the speed limits. Lorries, ironically, are the ones who are most likely to stick to the speed limits because they've got speed limiters. So again, yeah, speed is a factor here. You know, large vehicles, high speeds more force in the crashes when they happen, more fatalities, more injuries. Again, it, it sounds to me that although we're talking about driver behaviour here, we also de do need to be looking at enforcement campaigns, enforcement activity, the police being there a, a lot more often, and also the council themselves looking at this road and saying, what can we do to improve this? What visual clues can we put into this road to try and get people to slow down? Because ultimately, if you have a long straight dual carriageway, that is kind of saying to people, you can go quite fast here and, and some people will always take that opportunity, I'm afraid. A luxury glamping site with a heated swimming pool and petting zoo could be built near Sittingbourne if plans are approved. The site in School Lane Borden would sit alongside the existing Alpaca Lodge accommodation. Applicant Tina Green wants to offer the best glamping experience in the county and says it would be a perfect place for couples, family and friends. A dog that was stolen from a home in Aylesford last year has been found by police in Hampshire. They were called to reports of a puppy farm at an address in Tadley and discovered Dash and Bella in a cage with five puppies outside. They're currently being looked after in a police kennel and inquiries are ongoing. A woman's been taken to hospital after being bottled in a car park after a Kent festival. She was attacked off London Road following an event known as Matt's Barbecue in Rootham on Saturday night. A 29-year-old woman's been arrested on suspicion of assault. And Jade from Little Mix has been spotted at a Pride event in Margate. At Kent Online, you can see pictures from Instagram showing her celebrating at Dreamland over the weekend. 
Girls Aloud star Nadine Coyle headlined the event with performances from singers, DJs and drag queens. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham left home park with a 1-0 defeat against Plymouth Argyle. The Blues conceded two minutes from time at Plymouth on Saturday to suffer their first loss of the League One season. Captain Carl Dempsey said the team didn't perform to a high enough standard after the half-time break. Second half, we just didn't really stick to our game plan, allowed them too much time on the ball and and to be honest, it was just a matter of time before um, before they obviously got the goal. I thought that the lads at the back were absolutely outstanding. I think they had a lot to do today. That wasn't nowhere near the standards that we set ourselves in the second half. And we've got to be miles better than that. Can't, can't obviously um, can't continue to play like that, especially in the second half, because we're normally a team who likes to take control in the second half and get stronger, and we just didn't do that today. Gillingham are up against AFC Wimbledon on Tuesday. That's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also download the IM News app to get access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. Bluebutterfly.co.uk.